I really underestimated how frequently you would be Googling blank in pregnancy when you're pregnant and just constantly like this food in pregnancy, that food in pregnancy. (laughs) Some books find us in the right place at the right time. They can help us connect to others, understand our circumstances, or see things in a new way. Each week, I'll have a discussion with a friend of the podcast about something they've experienced and a book that helped them make sense of it. You're listening to The Book I Needed. Today, we're discussing Emily Oster's book, Expecting Better. She's an economist that explores why the conventional pregnancy wisdom is often wrong and provides data that allows women to make informed decisions for themselves. The friend I'm speaking with was kind enough to be super open about her current experience with pregnancy. We'll start with her telling you a little more about who she is. Everyone like approaches books from wherever they're at in their life, mm-hmm. um, and you look at it through a specific lens based on that. Is there anything the listeners should know about you and the way that you're reading this book? The way that I'm reading this book, well, let's see. I'm reading this book with, um, you know, my background being a labor and delivery nurse. Um, You know, I thought I knew a lot about being pregnant, and it turns out I knew nothing. I'm also... (laughs) (laughs) I'm also, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading it. It's almost like a little friend to me because... There's so little assistance provided in pregnancy. I'm realizing, um, you know, I have an amazing doctor and it's still just like, it's it's not enough. Um, we should say that you are pregnant. <laughs> oh, yes, I am pregnant. I am. How far along? I am 14 weeks. Um, so Ooh. still just a little bit, a little bit knocked up. Not, not super pregnant. I just got to my second trimester. Um it was a surprise pregnancy, which is also something that um, has been a different experience. I feel like surrounding, like I'm surrounded by a lot of women who um, are either trying to get pregnant or got pregnant and really wanted a baby. So there's been a lot of feelings around that too. And like that being a kind of a different journey. I haven't um, been able, I actually haven't found anybody yet um, who has gotten accidentally pregnant to talk to. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And people don't, people are really judgmental about that too because I'm married, right? So people are like, well, how is it an accident? If you were married, like you must have uh, Yeah, <laughs> things can still be accidental. Things Just because can... you're married doesn't mean you're planning for something immediately. Yeah. And then people take it one step forward, like more, and they're just like, well, like with birth control nowadays, like how do you get accidentally pregnant? <laughs> And that's been interesting too, how often I've been asked that. So that's a, that seems like a really invasive question. It's extremely invasive. I didn't realize it. And so when people ask it, I just give them a really like detailed answer because it sounds yes. like they want it. Mm-hmm. You know, because I explained like, well, I was on birth control forever, right? I was on, I was on the pill forever. And, you know, I went off of it because I was going off my antidepressants and I'd always had a hard time going off my antidepressants. Right. And so I give them all this info and then they're uncomfortable. (laughs) And I'm like, and so, yeah, I kind of was curious, like maybe if I go off my antidepressants and my birth control, maybe I'll find that actually my mood's a little bit more stable than Mm. I've ever imagined. And I was completely right. I mean, it's, I've been off my antidepressants for like almost two years now and I've never. Wow. Yeah, and I feel, like, very resilient. Of course, I still have my bouts of, like, sadness and anxiety, but, like, it's yeah 
crazy how much it was influencing my hormones. So I give them that info and then I think they feel a little uncomfortable. (laughs) 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 Well, I like that you're turning that around on them and making them feel uncomfortable because it's, it's crazy to me, like how much access people think they should have to other people's lives. Right. Especially around pregnancy. Like I've watched people on the train, like on BART, like people just like gravitate towards someone's belly and you're just like don't touch them they're a stranger like the belly touching's weird it's weird has that happened to you yeah already because like I have a little pot belly and so right now I feel like they're just touching all the food I've eaten but like yeah (laughs) it's constant and then they kind of do the pullback and they're like is that okay and I'm always like oh yeah sure you know yeah. I feel like I do the same thing to other people. It's it's weird though. We do all need to like check ourselves as far as invading people's personal space. <laughs> I don't think I ever asked you this. How did you know? Like what what inspired you to take a pregnancy test? To take a pregnancy test. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't have to edit this out. I'm like I am I am shameless. I I was um in Spain for Christmas with my, 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 um, husband and my, my in-laws. And, um, you know, I, I, me and my husband had just left for this fun road trip up to the North into France and visiting friends and his brother. And we had just gotten to the town San Sebastian. And I think my period was like due that day. And I'm so regular usually. And we were about to go out for an round like three like our third night in a row of some rowdy drinking and uh some cigarette smoking and I was like you know I should just (laughs) take a test (laughs) no (laughs) I'm like I feel like like my body's a garbage a garbage bin right now and um (laughs) I feel like that would be responsible um and so they have these little vending machines on the streets there like in like these old old walls built in like a, a mm. pharmacy vending machine where you can get like your Advil, your Tums, your cigarettes, your cigarettes. <laughs> I'm sure they sell <laughs> definitely condoms up the wazoo, but pregnancy tests. And I was like, okay, let's grab this pregnancy test. And we went to our first bar, and you know they have the pinchos there, which is usually some type of like undercooked fish or egg on bread with homemade mayonnaise like all the things you can't eat when you're pregnant and I was like eating that and I'd ordered my my drink and I was like okay I'm just gonna go into the bathroom like there's no way I'm pregnant this is just to make me feel better like it was very much like one of those things you know yeah and I I like you know I I had to do like the hover on the toilet because you know there's no (laughs) toilet paper cover and I pee on the stick and I put it on the ground I'm kind of staring at it and it's blank like white I'm like great so I pull up my pants get ready to go. I bend down to reach it to toss it. And I just see the faintest, faintest little line. And I look at it and I go, nah. (laughs) (laughs) I bring it out to Antonio at the bar and I'm like, this is like, I can barely see it. It was like one of those COVID lines that you're like, is that? Yeah. You're like, do I have COVID? (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, no, it's nothing. It was like the faintest, like it almost like if you looked at it, too long you didn't see it like it was yeah so like I think most people probably would have missed it I'm just like a very anal person you know Antonio couldn't really see it and um we went the rest of the night just knowing I wasn't pregnant and then the next morning (laughs) I was hungover and Antonio says Joanne do you think we should take another test and I was like nah I was like I trust that one he's like we're gonna go buy one 
And then that one still had a really faint line, but that one, it wasn't so imaginary. And I was like, okay, it's real. Yeah, it's real. And um, yeah, everything, everything changed after that. (laughs) But I did have my last hurrah night of not thinking I was pregnant. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think one of my friends and I I told you this, I think, uh, described her uterus as a cesspool when she got pregnant. (laughs) Oh my god, that's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, because she was like, I was going hard in the paint. Like, I did not think it was happening. And then I had five glasses of wine and wasn't drunk. And I was like, what's this about? And then she took a test the next day and was like, oh shit. I'm pregnant. Oh my gosh, that's so funny as a cesspool. Yeah, it's, I will say that like, people are pretty open about like, what they were doing before they knew they they were pregnant and um yeah it's yeah I yeah I've heard of a person she's like I took eight Jameson shots the night before (laughs) (laughs) any any updates no updates I don't want to bug you and ask you now we've been unsuccessful so far what is today the 24th I'll know in like five or six days if uh, this month worked mm-hmm. like I have an app that like kind of predicts my ovulation mm-hmm. is it and flow little... yeah did you use that yes I did whoops <laughs> see how <laughs> see how well it worked <laughs> see how well it worked <laughs> <laughs> I used it for the opposite effect but uh yeah yeah, yeah. No, I think it's pretty good though I feel like it always like predicted like my period coming really well and all that stuff and were you pretty like, regular yeah, and I always was, like, super horny when I was ovulating and had to, like, go against that. And so, like, I would notice that. I'd be like, why do I want sex? And I would look, and I was, like, ovulating. I'm like, shit, fuck, all right. <laughs> you know, so I do feel like it was pretty good. Was there any um, information that you've read that, like, was shocking to you or completely uh, contrary to what you believed? Gosh, I mean, maybe it's because I'm so much in this like first now second trimester, but everything about putting things into your body was very shocking. Like the caffeine one, man, did they make caffeine feel like it's the devil? Um, Yeah. (laughs) And then you read this book and you're like, you know, I had been so careful with my coffee consumption where I was just having, I would usually have one cup of coffee a day, but I was like, okay, I can only have half a cup. And then after reading this book, it's like, actually (laughs) the correlation with caffeine and miscarriage is like really low. And we actually don't know much. And the studies that do show there's a correlation where for over five cups of coffee a day. And yeah, yeah. Um, that was mind boggling. Yeah, that was the other correlation there that I'd never thought of was Mm -hmm. like, the impact of nausea, where it was like, nausea is a sign of a healthy pregnancy. Same. And nausea also usually would correlate with lower caffeine intake because the last thing you want to do is drink coffee if you're vomiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. So there is a third like thing that could be causing that, which is just like, you know, people that are not nauseous or drinking more coffee like yeah you know and th- their miscarriage might not have anything to do with to caffeine do with at, all. at all like, at doesn't all. Correlate. one of the things that this book made me feel and I don't know if you feel this way mm-hmm. um 
like a lot of the decisions that she talks about, like caffeine intake, alcohol, things like that are very nuanced. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, obviously don't binge drink and don't be crazy. But like in the second and third trimesters, having an occasional drink ingesting that slowly is fine like Mm -hmm. there's no evidence to support that there's any harm that's being done right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to be I want the doctor to feel like I am smart enough to make my own decisions I was definitely having these like alarm bells of patriarchy going off in my head like the whole time I was reading it same it's like um it's like in order because like doctors think that it's too complicated to explain like portions and in small amounts that they just say oh it's like an all or nothing thing you know where that's Mm -hmm. like really not realistic but yeah um I'm realizing when you're pregnant how much it feels like you're getting treated like a child almost yeah for sure like yeah what you said with like the caffeine intake and and the alcohol I mean the alcohol I think for sure especially in the U.S. and just reading what she had to write in her studies. We have a really weird relationship with alcohol and pregnancy in the U.S. that most countries don't have, according to her. And that was wild to find out. It's something I never knew. I I don't know if you found out for the first time when you were reading the book, too. Well, I, I did know from my time at Jewel that the mentality structure between Europe and America with um, tobacco use mm-hmm. Americans tend to uh, take it as a shame aspect where it's like you are smoking which means that there is something wrong with you mm-hmm. versus um, the European model is more like kind of guilt based in terms of like um, you're making that choice and that's a totally fine choice to make for yourself but in public spaces like maybe not mm-hmm. like maybe mm-hmm. consider others and that's kind of they're just very different frameworks and so that like yeah yeah you're bad and you need to be going and like smoking and hiding and then no one can know and it has to be your secret and it's you know yeah for sure yeah yeah you just hide your shame yeah but yeah no I mean it's 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 the, the yeah I think especially too she it was so simple the way she wrote about alcohol consumption and pregnancy and like it, it does seem like why can't doctors just explain that like if you aren't binge drinking and you are not feeling drunk and you're having a glass of wine with your meal yeah like, it's okay and yeah I guess I don't know if it's like um liability why doctors don't say I honestly I don't I don't understand it I kind of wondered about that piece of it where it was like if they did give you explicit advice and then there was Mm -hmm. some sort of birth defect, if it could come back, if it is like a Americans also are very worried about getting sued. Yeah, no, for sure. It's it's I feel like I'm starting to find what works for me and like being knowledgeable about subjects. And um, I mean, what I what has sounded good to my body is I, I have allowed myself to have one drink a week. And that's working really well for me. Um, And unfortunately, I have shared that with some people. And a lot of pregnant women go, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Or people who were pregnant say, yeah, I did that, too. I didn't tell anyone, though. Um, And then I have had people say, oh, gosh, I cannot condone that. Um, And some people really do. I I have had some judgment on it. Um, And so that's been interesting. (laughs) Oh my God. You said you had some sort of story to tell me. Is that around judgment? Yes, it is around judgment. I had just, um, 
shared with somebody I was fairly close with that I was pregnant and another friend chimed in, you know, who had already known. And she's like, Oh, by the way, when are we going to go to this, um, baby superstore, right. To buy things. Okay. And, um, I go, Oh my gosh, that sounds so overwhelming. I'm like, I'll go with you in a few weeks, as long as maybe I can have a little mimosa first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I said it kind of as a joke, but yeah. other person listening said, oh my God, are you, are you drinking while you're pregnant? And I said, oh, you know, I haven't really felt like it a lot, but like, yeah, I've allowed myself a few small drinks here and there, you know, when I'm eating. And she just walked away from me. Um, and the other gal turned to me and she said, it's okay. She's like, I had drinks here and then in pregnancy too, but you can't talk about it. And that was her advice to me. She's like, you're, you can't, you mm-hmm. can't talk about it. And I found that it was just one more very isolating part, I think that pregnant woman might feel that, you know, just finding out how many women do this and feel shame around it. Um, yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. But I feel okay. Cause even, you know, like the research, you know, that Emily Oster talks about is so firm and that even if, if you wanted to have a drink once a day, you could, you know, yeah. like you could. And, and my, my, my friend who was pregnant in England would go to the bar and have a beer yeah. You know, and, and my, my, my husband's family, you know, when my sister-in-law was pregnant, they would pass her a beer with her dinner. And it's just, it's very interesting how we. Yeah. You know. We should note that your, uh, your husband is from Spain. So these are Spain. people in, in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> he is from Spain. And so I'm really actually looking forward to going to Spain pregnant, um, in the, like next few months and just being treated as a part of society a little bit more than I think yeah. pregnant women are treated here. Yeah. <laughs> of course, right after I actually read that section of the book on caffeine, um, Instagram had discovered I was pregnant and it's, it's, it's a terrible, it's a terrible world. It's terrible. I don't know how to make it so they don't know I'm pregnant, <laughs> but this influencer comes on, you know, when you're straightly like flicking through the videos and she's going, we all know how bad caffeine is in your pregnancy. Switch to this mushroom coffee. Ugh. And I was just like, you know, if I am sitting here and like tons of women are watching this who are sipping on their coffee and they're like, oh my God, what did I just do? To my body and so I flagged it yes Flag I, flagged, I flagged it as harmful content it was, it was... maybe if you just flag every pregnancy ad with uh harm as harmful content it will stop surfacing it for you it's it's extremely harmful just like the body types too they show I'm just like okay you know there's a certain body image that we're supposed to have when we're pregnant and uh, yeah, I have no idea what kind of body image issues I'm going to go through during that time, but I'm sure it's going to be wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, I think you have to be a pretty confident human to not have any body images issues during your, your pregnancy. Um, I'm still, I'm still, I'm struggling with that. And as I'm getting yeah. bigger, struggling even more. Um, and um, yeah. People like to watch what you eat, too. If you're eating healthy, if you're not, they like to say things. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, God, the other chapter I found out also was I didn't know anything about gardening. Not that I'm a gardener, but, like, I'd always heard, like, 
you're not supposed to garden when you're pregnant. I don't know if out in Vermont you're going to be planting things. (laughs) The thing is, (laughs) we are planting, okay, so we're getting married um, in July and we decided to plant our own flowers for the wedding because uh, the, the flower, like the lowest quote I got for that kind of thing was like, it's going to be $3,000. And I was like, dude, what the, we're getting married with Lake Champlain and the Adirondacks in the background. Like, I don't think we need to spend $3,000 on flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we are doing some gardening. We have a bunch of sprouts downstairs oh, that are fun. that are coming up out of the ground. Oh my god, how fun! Yeah, it's but gonna be I, gorgeous. It's gonna be great. But yeah, I asked Tara about it, who is also a doctor, mm-hmm. and she was like, uh, "Just wash your hands, and if yeah. you feel really nervous, like wear a mask. But just like general pregnancy rule, wash your hands as much as possible. Right, just like the <laughs> whole logic, just." logical yeah <laughs> it's true. maybe don't lick the dirt I don't, don't know. lick the dirt don't eat three cans of tuna in one sitting you know don't don't take four shots of vodka <laughs> <laughs> chase it with some espresso yeah logic right all of the things my mom told me are wrong <laughs> yeah everything I before is just <laughs> Yeah, and then the sushi thing was interesting too. You know, like I, yeah. and this is all about what she, what 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 Emily Emily Oster wants you to do is to like give you the information, have you make your own decision. So reading her sushi chapter, for example, I discovered that I don't feel like a good enough expert in identifying good sushi that I'm not going to have raw fish. However, if I was a Japanese woman, if I was someone who was just very knowledgeable about good restaurants in my area. I might, that might be different, but to me it felt easier and it felt like, oh, I don't need that. But, you know, with like the risk that I'm not going to do that. However, if my pregnant friend sitting next to me got sushi, I wouldn't judge her at all. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe if she got like a raw shark or something, I mean, then I might. We'd have to talk about mercury intake. Yeah. Especially if it was just the fin, you know, then we're just ethically (laughs) going to a bad place. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you if you eat raw sushi regularly, like it's yeah. bad to cut it out of your diet most likely because fish is extremely beneficial and it has a lot yeah. of nutrients that the baby needs to be yeah. happy yeah. and healthy. So I'm not going to avoid fish. No, especially because she does. She's very much like, it's so good for you, but like also like, you know, don't overdo it, but like keep eating it. But yeah. 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 Maybe, yeah, maybe don't eat canned tuna, like, every meal. <laughs> All the time. Yeah, and I, I, she has, like, a nice little chart, too, of, like, which fishes, and I really yeah. appreciated how easy that was. Um, I really underestimated how frequently you would be Googling blank in pregnancy when you're pregnant, and she's constantly, like, this food in pregnancy, that food in pregnancy. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because you just don't what, know. What have you Googled? Oh, God. Like, the other day, I really wanted calamari. And I was like, okay, calamari pregnancy. <laughs> you, know, or, um, you know, she does have a chapter on hair dye. I wanted to dye my hair. Hair dye in pregnancy. Um, right. Conclusion Fine. is it's probably okay. Everyone does it. There's too many people that do do it, and we're not seeing any pattern of anything. But Yeah. There were a couple of things in there that I'd never thought about. Like, I use... Um, 
I think it's like hyaluronic acid on my face. I'd never mm. even thought to be like, oh, should I worry about how much of that is absorbed? Yeah. Yeah. And like, the answer is no. No. Right? No. <laughs> yeah. The skin product section, it's like, no, no, no. And then like major red flag with the like, like an acne drug or something that you take. Oh, right. That's, um, uh, God, it's not retinol or maybe it is retinol. Retinol is one of them. And then the big one that you take when you're, a lot of people will take it when they're teens. Um, Like Accutane? Accutane. Yep. Accutane's known to cause birth defects. It was like, they recommend you like abort the fetus if you have been taking it for a certain amount of time because like birth defects are almost guaranteed. Are almost guaranteed. And in some states didn't say, or like some doctors are required to actually prescribe birth control to women if they are prescribing Accutane. Yeah. That's, which I thought was interesting. It made me scared for people taking Accutane just because I was like, that can't be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. It's like, well, what's it? If it's bad for the baby, what's it doing to us? I don't know if you're worried about this at all with your pregnancy, but like for me, I am... 35 now and I'll be 36 in like a month um or something (laughs) I don't know what I don't know what day it is (laughs) but like the the charts for um the fertility drop off at 35 like it does but it's not this like huge dive off a cliff like Mm -hmm. I can get pregnant it's gonna be fine Mm -hmm. but like the down syndrome rates kind of freaked me out a little bit and because I am like in my own personal kind of relationship to testing, like I was very like, eh, I've heard that amniocentesis has like a 20% miscarriage rate mm-hmm. and I'm, I would never do that. And mm-hmm. then this book was just like, that's wrong. Actually, <laughs> that's, it's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. very old data. But then also just to know the the true benefit of like, you know, while the while the risk isn't super high at this time, it is a lot higher than it would have been if I was, you know, 29 or mm-hmm. even 32. Like, mm-hmm. it's significantly higher. Um, and so reading that, like, and kind of taking in all that data, I was like, oh, like, I'm going to get that test. Right, right. Yeah. I was also super surprised by, gosh, I can't even remember the number. But yeah, I do feel like I'd heard, like, you know, if you get an amniocentesis, like you will, like you have such a high chance of miscarrying. And it actually, it was so minimal. It's, it's such a low number. Yeah. And yet it's like, it's just like one other situation where I feel like women are put, like you're irresponsible if you don't do it and you're irresponsible if you do, you know, if, if you do do the amniocentesis, like you made the decision and now you miscarried and that's on you. And it's like, but if you don't, then you have a child with Down syndrome and that was your choice as well. You know, it's just, <laughs> oh it's, it's like, it's, it's just one other way for women to feel guilty. And like, I don't, I, the fact that it's such a low rate and how safe it is, I don't, I don't know why we're still telling, I don't know. It's yeah. It, I it mean, blows my mind. 
it was interesting that the data, like it was, there was a higher chance back in the day, right? Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. like that doesn't take into consideration at all, like ultrasound technology, how that's changed, how you're Mm -hmm. not going to pierce the placenta because you can see everything like, Mm -hmm. you know, which has virtually put the risk down to like 0.001. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like, why is the data that we're sharing so old? Um, similar to the fertility drop-off that you were kind of talking about that we were told, oh, when you're 35, it's just you're you're just infertile, you know, and that study <laughs> your uterus started. Your dries and, up. <laughs> your uterus dries up, but wasn't that study in the book they talked about how that study's from like started in the 1800s or something yeah. crazy? Like yeah. that's what we're using? It, yeah, that was kind of frustrating. I, I think I understand the like, the ethical conundrum about some things being tested where it's just like you know is it ethical to test tobacco use or nicotine Mm. use or like whatever I yeah I'm not really sure how all of those things get set up but like Mm. just tracking data points in a modern way I'm sure like we can we can learn better things we can learn better it it does make you think about research and you're kind of like why is our research kind of like not are we not doing enough with women's health or is our focus elsewhere it's hard to say I did also want to talk about the miscarriage chapter oh yeah absolutely did you find it pretty interesting like how you know I think there's been it's really good we're talking about it because miscarriages are very common you know mm-hmm. but they they always give us the number of like one in four right one in four women will miscarry um or one in four pregnancies will end in miscarriage right and um, a lot of that information comes because as our pregnancy tests have become more sensitive mm-hmm. we are finding yeah. out we're pregnant when before we we wouldn't know because we would miscarry a few days after our period was late and we would just assume it was our period. And that was just the most common air, you know, period of time when you would miscarry. And, um, I think it's really good that we've put so much awareness on miscarriages. And at the same time, I found it interesting that once you're at eight weeks, how much it drops your chance of miscarrying. And yeah, women are told you do not say anything until 12 weeks and you actually get shamed if you say something earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's, was actually, I really, you know, liked that chapter for that reason, because it's, um, it's ultimately your preference. And if you're going to tell somebody that you're pregnant, who you also feel comfortable later saying that you miscarried, yeah, to, that's, that's okay. But I, I told a lot of people when I was a little bit early on because I was, I was so sick. And, um, I've even, you know, as I tell people now, and I've have had some women say, Oh God, you know what you're telling people so early, mm-hmm. you know, well, I didn't, I didn't tell anyone until I was 20 weeks and, um, wow. you kind of feel guilt. You're like, Oh, I'm doing something bad. Like now, um, something bad's going to happen. And, mm. um, but ultimately, it, as the book even says, chances are it's it's very low after eight weeks, and yeah, it's up to you. And if I'm the type of person that I could go and tell people and say and feel okay with that person, say actually we had to do X, Y, and Z, or I did miscarry, or we did have to end up um, doing an abortion, like that's the type of person I am, and I, I'm not, you know. And so I thought that right. was yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's kind of a weird like suffer in silence kind of suffer thing. in not silence. Only, mm-hmm. Yeah, not only just like 
in terms of not being able to share this like really good news yeah and then theoretically not being able to share the pain that you went through either like are you supposed to just you just suffer you don't get to enjoy any part of the joy of telling people and then you also have to feel bad and pretend you're okay um yeah it's a really hard time no it's a really hard time and I hope as the conversation around miscarrying be is more common that we can for women that want to some women of course they want to keep it within them and that feels good to them and they should continue doing that but as we talk about how common miscarrying is that we are also the people who want to share that they feel okay to do that knowing they can also talk about openly talk about hey actually you know we did miscarry you know yeah I don't know if you've ever thought about like what you would do. Like, would you tell your friends right away? Would you wait? Hmm. I think I would tell people right away. And I think a lot of that does come from just wanting the support of the people that love me. Because I'm sure that personally, I will feel really happy, but also entirely freaked out and scared you know I think that there's so many emotions and I like as many people as you can talk to and get that support from it's like why not why not and in addition that also creates opportunity for if something does happen that you have that support and it's not just one other step of oh now I have to suffer a miscarriage in silence it's it's yeah I know that um, my brother, my younger brother had a miscarriage mm. and it was after they'd already told us that they were pregnant mm. and like, it was also a, an okay, th- like it was a good thing because we were able to be like, Hey, you know, this happened. How are you, how are you processing this? Are you grieving? Like mm-hmm. what's going on? Is there any way I can support you? Yeah, having gone through a really huge grief process, I know like how important it is to have people that are aware of the situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't imagine going through that alone. Absolutely. I'm really sad that women feel pressured to do that. To do that all the time. You're absolutely right. And it is a grieving process. And thank God that you were there for him. I'm sure the first thing in his mind was not shit. I shouldn't have told my sister, you know, I'm sure it was. That's not, I don't think that's how most people think. Yeah. Um, It's because I told people it jinxed it. Because I told people like it's already hard and it's not because you told people and yeah, you know, being a labor and delivery nurse, unfortunately I see a lot of joy and I also see things happen at every single stage of pregnancy. And if I was going to wait until I was, my baby was born, like that would be the safest to not have to tell people bad news or till the yeah. baby's six months and passes. And so it's like, you just, <laughs> you have to just keep hoping that everything is okay. And Really that whole mentality is kind of messed up because anything bad can happen at any point. Exactly. That's the point of community is to be able to support each other. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Like, should you not tell people you got this kick-ass new job because you could get fired? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and I don't want to like criticize women that do choose to keep it private. Some people are very private. I think my, my my biff my issue is with women that like me that felt like really ready to tell people um mm-hmm. once I think I was like 10 weeks 11 weeks I was like feeling really crummy and I kind of just wanted to talk about it and I felt like I had to hold it in like, that's my issue is people that do want to talk about it and then feel like 
no, you shouldn't. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. shame. The shame. Yeah. The shame. But um, I, but I fully, I am aware that there are people that are, especially people who have gone through a lot of losses that are just like, it's easier for me to just keep this to myself for right now. And I understand that too. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. I had no uh, knowledge about the third part, like labor and delivery Mm -hmm. section. Mm -hmm. I was just like, uh, my general consensus among my own self was that I would get a epidural because (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that was interesting that I've heard you talk about, because I've had several pregnant friends and I've connected you with them about like Mm -hmm. birth plans and creating them. Um, and one of them is just like, you know, it's, it's great to be informed and it's great to know your choices ahead of time, but it's not great to be really wedded to a specific outcome, especially when some interventions are necessary to save your life or your baby's life or things like that. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Which I felt like went along with your experience where you're just like, birth plans don't always work out. No, no. And there's actually a whole movement to call them like birth preferences. Um, because yeah, because it's so hard to plan, right? Ultimately, you know, your body and your baby kind of make the decision, um, as far as how things are going to go. Um, you know, that being said, I, you know, some of your nurses that I don't want to say they're burnt out, but nurses that, um, can form very strong opinions where it's like, oh, if you have a birth plan, you've just written your your ticket for a C-section, right? And this, this oh shit, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's that's not necessarily true, but um, I think that that logic comes from sometimes when women are super stressed about their birth experience looking a certain way, um they might turn down interventions that might like actually help them have a really successful vaginal delivery. Um, Mm. and you know, so that's why it's good to have flexibility in it. And there's still, you know, so many preferences that we can acknowledge and support in someone's birth experience while also being like, Hey, you know, this one thing isn't kind of going as well as we wanted to. We think maybe this one medication is going to help you get to 10 centimeters you know, mm-hmm. for example, um, and just being kind of open to changing, changing plans as, um, your labor progresses. So, yeah. Yeah. When you, are you one of the people that lays out those options for patients? Absolutely. I want to make sure they're super, super, super like informed. And a lot of people too are coming in without having any birth preferences and I try to help them be like well like let's see I bet you do have some like do you want um, female providers only or do you have no preference or do you Mm -hmm. really like dim lights Um, do you want to play music Um, is your you know do you want limited um, interventions ideally and then talk about you know I I, I try to lay out different things from them if they come in with no um, idea of it. Whereas someone who comes in with a plan, everything written down, you of course kind of want to talk beforehand, be like, what about in this situation? And I would say most people are pretty flexible, but sometimes you do have people who are very like rigid and in, in, in what they want. And, um, 
you know, sometimes it goes really well. And then sometimes, of course, it's, it's a more stressful experience to them because if something's just a little bit off, um, it can just destroy their world. And I think that's really hard. And, um, one of the things we're talking about is doctors during pregnancy, not Mm -hmm. really explaining the nuance of choice. Do you usually lay it out? Like we can do this and like, this is the, the benefit of doing that. And if we don't, Mm -hmm. this is the risk or... I work with a very good team and I think doctors in general are moving towards informing their patients more of benefits and risks and explaining exactly what we're doing and why we're doing when they have time. Um, I think our medical industry is really overworked and um, doctors have lots of patients that they're seeing. Um, They're going from room to room and sometimes I think for time constraints, they kind of try to simplify it versus giving women all the info. Um, And I think, you know, we can do better with that because ultimately when patients understand, when women understand why and how it helps or how it hurts, I think they make the best decision for themselves and their baby. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Was the book helpful at all for you with like this period or... This book made me feel a lot better because I, we were trying to get pregnant and I, I was very much, I convinced myself. I was like, I, I think this is it. I think this is the time. So I'm going to go hard Yeah. <laughs> before I find out. <laughs> and so I like went out to a girl's night and I got in a hot tub and I had like two or three cigarettes and I was like, I'm living my best life. Yeah. And I woke up the next morning and I'd started my period and I was like, I killed the baby. No. <laughs> now no. I know that biologically that is not possible. The only no. thing I might have done was like make my body inhabitable for conception. Yeah. But like the likelihood of that is very low. Right. Of it actually, of you having conceived and then lost it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And gosh, I mean, has that been hard for, I mean, you know, I've ta- I read the chapter about when people are trying to get pregnant just like that period of like, okay, you get your two weeks before ovulation where you get a like, yeah. after you got your period where you're like, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want. I want to eat unhealthy. I'm going to drink. I'm going to, you know, do all the things because I'm not pregnant. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you ovulate and then you have to like treat your body like the shrine for two weeks. Right. That's like the pressure. And then your period yeah. comes and how that might feel really devastating, especially after you just went two weeks really taking care of yourself. You know, I, is that cycle, have had that, what has that cycle been like for you? I was definitely doing that, like the two week thing where I was just like, I'm going to be extremely healthy. Um, I'm like, I would still drink a little bit, but like, I mean, nowhere how I used to drink in my twenties or anything. And not like girls night, girls night in the hot tub tub was, was an exceptional day. Um, but yeah, I think like the first time it's disappointing. And then the second time it's like, like I did everything right and I'm not pregnant. And then the third time it's like, there's something wrong with me. Mm. Well, I mean, this is me. I catastrophize. Um, I was definitely riding a very emotional roller coaster for a while because when I decided I wanted a baby, like, it's all I wanted. And it is something that you have so little control over. You can do everything right, and, it, like, it just might not be the time. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. I, I think I've like separated myself from it now and I'm kind of trying to be like okay like if it doesn't happen that's okay we have the wedding coming up maybe it's better to just you know experience that and not be sick <laughs> yeah um you know and just trust that however it works out is the way it's supposed to work out well it sounds like you found the mindset that is going to help you go through this right now while still hoping for yeah. a baby but also being okay in the meantime I think for me we had to put a plan in place where it's like okay like if this doesn't happen naturally like within a year of the trying mm-hmm. like if in September we're still not pregnant we need to go through the like tests to make sure that like everything's functioning properly yeah. and now knowing that we have like a date for that or like mm-hmm. a next step in place like I also yeah. feel a lot more chill yeah that totally makes sense I guess like my question would be like have you felt like you've gotten unsolicited advice or judgment or constantly yeah (laughs) does it make you wish you didn't share you were trying or you kind of like all right this is just part of it (laughs) it's it's interesting um the amount of like you should take this supplement i you should do this diet of just beans you should do like i'm just like what beets your shit would be bright red beans oh beans (laughs) yeah then you just pooping (laughs) i'm just pooping and farting all over my partner (laughs) um yeah i mean i know that all of that stuff comes from a place of deep desire and other people wanted this too and this is what they did and this is what worked they think worked for them or did work for them and so I know it's coming from a good place but it is a little exhausting after a while I have to balance that all the time this like knowing that it comes from a good place but also being like how do I uh set a set a guardrail here to be like thank you for telling me but don't tell me anything else yeah like what is the catchphrase <laughs> what do you respond I don't like, know I'll take note <laughs> yeah yeah because I don't want to be unapproachable and I don't want people to not yeah you know want to feel like they're part of my life I mean if you find the solution let me know because it'll definitely be something when you are pregnant that just keeps going and I think it's good to have a stable response you know yeah. that you just like go to every time if I figure it out I'll tell you let me know let me know with all of the shame and stuff that surrounds this I would feel like this book would be a really helpful friend like you said like a little encouraging and also I think the point of this book is not to tell anybody what to do Mm-mm. it just presents the information and then you can take that to your doctor or you can discuss it with your partner and figure out what's right for you which I think is really empowering because it's it's hard it's hard to right. find like reliable data and this woman just combed through like so many studies to find the most reliable data sets Right, and to really give readers the why. The why why is so important. Yeah, it is, because it does help you. You got to keep living. You know, it's, we always say nine months. You're actually, you're pregnant for 10 months, and you have to keep living. Otherwise, it just feels like your life's on hold. And that's why I feel like it's okay to have a beer. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) 
it's okay to not have caffeine headaches from withdrawal exactly exactly and it's okay if your back's really achy to take some Tylenol you know yeah yeah (laughs) all these things that we feel bad about and they're fine but um, you know I don't want to say it's like all bad it's like it's it's a lot of things happen really cool um just like you know watching your body change and um ultrasound mm. appointments are so sick just like seeing really? something yeah you know have you yeah. felt it yet no I haven't I like to imagine I am but I'm just super gassy <laughs> <laughs> in fact when I went to my ultrasound appointment my very first one the doctor was like it's a little hard to see the fetus because there's just so much gas in here <laughs> She could see. Yeah, but I mean, there, there's like a lot of joys to it. And I think the less restrictions we put on ourselves and just having information and trusting that we know what's best for our bodies, you know, and, 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 and following research, the less stressful it is and the more enjoyable experience pregnancy can be. I really, yeah. I really believe that. Yeah. And it should be. Mm-hmm. It's, you know... It's an unexpected time for you, but it's also a really beautiful time. It is. It is. It's a rite of passage. It's a rite of passage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think we just need to all be a lot more gentle with each other. Absolutely. Gentle with each other. And a lot less judgmental. And ourselves. Don't be such assholes to everybody, people. I hope you enjoyed our discussion about pregnancy and Emily Oster's book, Expecting Better. If you have an experience that you'd like to talk about, email me at thebookineeded at gmail.com. I'm your host and producer, Kelly Rennick. Thank you so much for listening.